Okay, good morning, Rock Bible Church. It's good to be with you, even though I can't see you. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's great to be in the Lord's house on His day. I'm praying for the day that you get to do that with us. We're ready for you in some ways. We've got the hand sanitizer and all this stuff we need. You could be here, except for we got that shelter. Anybody else cry on Monday? Was it Monday? One of my kids came into the backyard and said, they just extended it. It's the, one of the first times in a long time the whole family started crying together in unison. Uh, it was just, anyways. Um, I hope you're well. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you got bread with you and a little juice because we're going to do communion in a little while at the end after we get through our subject matter this morning. But I do want to stay on state of the church for a minute. Some people have been asking questions about the church and how are we doing and are we okay and finance and what's giving like we had a budget meeting last week with the pastor elder team we kept six feet apart in fact we zoomed it um, and I just want to give you a little update uh, we're fine in some ways our, our budget uh, for the year we're down about 12 percent for the year that's not just over the last couple uh, weeks or last month or so um, but on average, over the course of uh, some January 1 to now, we're down about 12% based on what our projected budget was. Um, some people could say, oh, no, that's scary. Well, here's the good news. Uh, we had reserves. We have reserves. Uh, we have a plan. We're going to work through this. We're super confident we're going to make through, through this uh, in, in great ways. And then we just want to make sure you knew um, we're not where we were but we are in a place where we will be fine for the long term, so you can stop worrying or emailing, and we're going to be great, okay? In fact, we're looking at maybe some potential fixes and projects here around the property. Uh, while you're not here, we might as well fix some things. So we might be starting on the bathrooms in the breezeway, and we're, we're talking and working on some of those things. Um, so uh, businesses keeping to move forward, Okay. Because uh, most important, we want to worship the Lord, and we want a place and a church that represents Him, where people feel safe, and they feel like they can experience Him and experience themselves. Uh, so that's what we're doing. That's a little bit of stay of the church. If you have uh, more detailed questions about that, uh, feel free to call me. You can email me if you want. I'll respond in about a month. Other than that, uh, let's get moving. We're going to get started this morning. Um, we're continuing our series on doctrines, and we've been doing a sub-series on marriage, and now we're doing a sub-sub-series on sex. Yes, there, I said it. I've been nervous all week. In fact, I've been nervous for more than a week trying to figure out how do we address this subject. And uh, Hey, here's the good news. We're going to do it straight from Scripture. We're going to pull everything out of this. Um, here's the bad news. We're doing more than one week. I'm going to get into that a little bit later, give you a preview of what we're going to see in the future. Um, but I want us to get started. We're going to be in Genesis this morning. We're going to be in Proverbs, Exodus, Song of Solomon. We're going to get back to Genesis. We're going to be all over the place. Uh, but we're going to be in a good place. Um, because here's, here's one of the things we, we want to acknowledge right from the beginning. Sex is out of control in our culture. It's a mess. There's misconceptions everywhere. And here's the problem. God never designed it to be that way. What we're going to talk about this week is God, marriage, and sex. 
Who've I left out? You. You're not part of the discussion this week. We're going to hit you in a couple weeks. In fact, we're going to come after you. You'll be okay. You'll survive, but you're going to be cut and bleedy a little bit. I don't know. This week, it's just about God and marriage and what he says about sex. We're going to get that straight first, and then we're going to draw ourselves into the conversation later. So that's where we're going to start. Let's pray, uh, and then we'll get running. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for our ability to engage in you, to have a process, to have a relationship, to have interaction that's both mental and emotional. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand how you've designed us. What's your intention? Where's the purpose? So I pray, Lord, that uh, as we address uh, maybe a sensitive topic, Lord, that uh, maybe we would laugh a little, but that we would take it seriously. That we would get it right. That we would look for the straight and narrow. That we might be on a path that leads directly to you. The things that you want for us and those around us. And so, Lord, uh, I pray for guidance, pray for clarity of your word as we get into this. Uh, most of all, Lord, I, I pray for patience, discernment, wisdom, and grace. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Do you remember the first time you heard about sex? Do you remember that? Was that a while ago? The first time? I Oh, man. It shocked my system. My mom sat me down. She started explaining. Scotty, you need to understand this and that. And I'm like, what? Wait. Ew. Oh, oh. It was just, it was bad. Right? That was Tuesday. <laughs> so I've been trying to catch up, trying to figure out ever since, uh, uh, jokingly, that was a long time ago. And I remember my dad sat me down later and, and explaining more about it. I remember coming out of movies and my dad pulling me aside saying, you need to understand some things. That movie just led you the wrong direction and that's not how life works. That's not how women work. That's not how sex works. I thought to myself, whoa, my dad must know a thing or two. And then on top of that, I thought, there must be more going on in this game we call life than just the things that I see, think, feel here. And that's what I want to get across to you. I hope that what you'll get out of this is what I got out of my first two conversations about sex from authorities that I thought knew what they were talking about. Because when they sat me down and started explaining there's more going on than you think, that opened me up to possibilities of maybe there's more to learn. Maybe there's better understandings. Maybe there's good practices. So I want us to look at it from that perspective and recognize God has everything to say about sex and sexuality. And uh, it, it's about time that we as a church uh, address this uh, because everybody's talking about it. It's in the newspaper, it's in the movies, it's on the magazines, it's in songs, it's on the internet, oh my goodness, social media. It's just everywhere. All the influences we have on sex are negative, except for the one that matters and is the most important, and that's God himself. So I want to go back to the beginning. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, I want to, it's right there actually for us. I want to go back to where we got introduced to the topic. 
Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is right after God says, you know, it's not good for a man to be alone. He needs help. And he says, here's how it's going to work. We're going to take one man, we're going to have him leave his father and mother, we're going to have him establish himself with his wife, and the two are going to become one flesh. Now, growing up as a teenager, just getting introduced to God and the church and his word, I thought that was about sex. One flesh, ooh. That's about sex. I've since learned, studying more scripture, there's way more than just sex going on there. There's an emotional, there's a mental, there's connectivity, there's attentiveness, there's so many other things. Affection, understanding, communication, there's so much more going on. And God says, hey, there's, here's the design. You become one with your partner, right? Now, does it say you become one with a couple different people, with a bunch of different people, with whoever you choose? No. A man, singular, shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his singular wife. That's how it's supposed to work. They shall become one flesh. And then watch this, verse 25. Here's where we start to get into sexuality piece. And the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Naked was good. It was at the beginning. It was part of the design. In fact, it's part of what God says, this was supposed to happen. And I want to say, after reading those two, that's our whole passage for the week. There you go, right? May the Lord bless the reading of his word. All the men are yelling, amen, right? I want us to look at uh, several things from several different places and help us understand what is the design, You see, because God has a bunch of intentions for what sex is supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like, how you're supposed to pursue, what you're supposed to avoid. And I'm thinking we're going to cover a lot of it this week and then next time we speak. And and I'm, I'm holding out permission to maybe even drag it into a third week. First thing that we all want, to, want us to understand from this passage, those two verses, that God int- intends sex to be. This is our intro to all of the things, all of our fill-ins this week. There's about six of them. I, I want us to understand that this is God's intention for what sex is to be. First one is this. Ready? Normal. Sex was intended to be normal. Sex was in- intended to be not a surprise. I remember getting a good laugh one time about some preacher, I think it was in a youth ministry, and I'm listening, and he said, you know, uh, when people start having sex, it's not like God's up in heaven looking down and going, wait, what are they doing? How, what's going on? Like, like we surprised God. He said, no, this is his idea. This is something he decided we were meant to engage in. I want to ask you, why has it become abnormal? Why has it become twisted, dark, misused? Because we take things as humans and we make them abnormal. We take perfect gifts from God above, we misuse them, and then we get confused as to why it's not working. And here's the thing. 
Then we walk away from that. We take God, we take the gift that he's given us, and we take us, the three things in the combination, and we say, well, it's not working, it can't be us, so it must be the gift is bad and God must not work right. We blame God and the gift when we really what we should be doing. So maybe I've taken the first two things and I've messed them up in how I look at them, how I think about them, how I feel about them, or it didn't work out as fast as I wanted to, and so I'm impatient. One of the things we need to understand is uh, when things go wrong, is there a perfect gift behind it that could have been worked differently, used differently, applied in the way it was designed, and it could have been great? How about this? Uh, your, your sex life was meant to be normal and great, not just something that you uh, do once in a while, not just something that's like a business transaction. Hey, honey, we've got an appointment tomorrow, remember? I don't know, some of you, maybe you do need to make an appointment. But you know, it's meant to be normal. It's not so meant to surprise us. It's not this alternative, secondary behavior that just somehow found its way into our life experience as humans. No, we were designed for touch, Right? What are the senses? One of them is touch. How do you pursue touch? How much do you value it? Do you overvalue it? Do you undervalue it? The people around you, what's appropriate touch for them? You know, we're, we're trying to work through those issues in culture, and we need to make sure we're clear on what God's view of that is. Touch is normal, sex is normal, and, and it, this is great. I love this. The second one, God, God intends for sex to be free of shame. I think one of the best things you can do with your sexuality is ask yourself in the midst of or after or right before, am I going to feel good about this later? Am I going to enjoy it or am I going to feel shame? And make, make sure you make the difference between embarrassed and shame. Right? Some of we get embarrassed. It's a sensitive topic. We don't want to talk about it. In fact, some of you are uncomfortable. The pastor's even talking about it right now. But the reality is we get into intimacy things and we don't want anybody to know or, or hear us talk about it or whatever. And it's like, oh, we got to be discreet and private. And that's great. Why? Because you're trying to keep from embarrassment nervousness. That's much different than shame. Shame is tied to regret because you know something was wrong. Shame is a sign for you that you uh, of how you're pursuing your sexuality. But back to the passage, we need to remember God designed for us to be naked, naked and not ashamed. That we were meant to be comfortable with our partner without limitations or inhibitions. We're going to talk about how do you address your partner, how do you approach it, think about it, prioritize it. We're going to get into that when we draw ourselves into the conversation. But again, this week, we're just doing God, marriage, and sex. We're not in it yet, okay? we got to look at it from God's perspective, perspective, number one, that it's normal. Number two, that we're supposed to be free of shame, shame-free. Uh, third, Third, I want to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter five, uh, 7, verse 5. Watch this. Uh, it says, do not deprive one another. Deprive one another of what? 
It's talking about sexuality in a marriage relationship. Husband and wife, it says, hey, don't deprive yourself, one another, of sex, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. Why? That you may devote yourselves to prayer. Like if you're going to do something spiritual, if you're on a mission trip, if you're trying to get something done and there's a priority that's spiritual and you need to take a break for a while because it's a distraction, great. How long should that break go? Limited time, right? And then watch this. But then come together again. Why? Third concept of what God intended sex to be. Regular. Regular. You are meant to regularly connect with your partner. Oh, gosh, Scott, you just sound like you're promoting sex. No, that just is the topic of the day. Make no mistake. You're meant to connect with your partner in many, many day, many, many ways every day on a regular basis. How you communicate, how you listen. Is physical touch in there? Absolutely. How are you providing for one another? In fact, we probably shouldn't hit this topic until we cover the idea of loving one another, nourishing one another, cherishing one another. Oh, wait, we did. Last two weeks, God, marriage, and you, over the last two weeks, we talked about those kind of things. How do you respect, respect one another? You know, those are ways of connectivity, and they're how I understand what God said when he says, become one flesh. It's a holistic experience, not just a physical one. And sex was never meant to be a physical business transaction, or that one person was supposed to need it more than another. No, that's a limited view. See, sex was meant to be regular. Why? Because there's more going on than just a physical exchange. Guys look at it one way, girls look at it another way, and that's probably a very oversimplified way to look at it. Because there's no way for us to know all of the things that come out of a healthy interaction with your spouse. What does it do for you emotionally? What does it do for your confidence level? What does it do for you uh, feeling appreciated? What does it do for your hormones, endorphins? Does it change your physiology? It does so many other things in your social interaction. If you're not regularly in a healthy way, getting interaction the way God has intended it for you in many different ways, you're missing out. And for some of you say, well, you know, I just don't get out of sex what some people get. It's just not that important to me. Well, maybe you're not looking at all of the things that come out of it that are more than just the immediate, more than just the, the act itself or the rush of the moment. Maybe there's a connectivity that your spouse will feel with you over the course of the week or the year or the month, whatever, because they feel safe with you. Why? Because you've engaged in exchange. And again, this goes long beyond just the physical piece. When they feel uh, com communication, connection, emotional connection, when you're working through problem solving, all those things, they play into a safety, a security, maybe a design of being one flesh. That's what we're supposed to understand. And it's really, really bad of us as humans to take the things that God gives us and compartmentalize them and say, well, I like this that God's given me, but this one, uh, not so much. That one, eh, I'm not going to do that one at all. And this one, gosh, I'm not even going to hang around with people that do. No. 
God's designed a bunch of things for us. You were designed for marriage. Almost all of you were designed for marriage. Paul gets into this topic of, well, there's a few of us that aren't, but we're not going to cover that this week. We'll cover that in the future. For the large majority of us, there are normal, regular, free of shame things you should be engaging with your spouse. Most likely, there's issues with that long before the physical interaction that you need to pay attention to first. And I direct you back to last week and the week before as to how we approach it. But it should be normal. It should be free of shame. Number two, it should be regular. You don't stop for more than a limited time, right? Number four, let's go to Exodus. Let's go to Exodus. You shall not commit adultery. Exodus 20:14. What's that mean? I mean, don't have sex outside of marriage. And here's the problem. We forget. Why? Because we're bombarded with sexuality in every aspect of life. It's all over the place. And we forget a very simple sentence. For some of you, this might be the most important sentence for you for a while. Because there's subtle ways, like how it enters into your, um, your, your imagination, your fantasy life, or what you do when you're in private, where you're pursuing kind of this, well, I'm not really in adultery. Nope, but you're straight on the path. In fact, you got a couple steps in that direction. You're wondering why you're struggling in your relationships or you're not feeling fulfilled. Well, because you're flirting with this. Do not commit adultery. Have sex with your spouse. That's it all of the time. No exceptions. Keep the covenant. Well, that's so limited, Scott. Great, you've figured it out. Because number four is God's intention for sex is for it to be limited. One of the biggest problems with our culture, with our humanity and our sinful nature is we take sex and we say, well, no, we should be able to freely express ourselves. It's my body, it's my experience. You Christians, you're so pent up, you're so restrictive and blah, blah. Well, how about instead of looking at it with all those negative connotations. How about you look at it from a positive direction? Actually, we like purpose, focus, design, effectiveness, fulfillment, blessing, joy, gift, happiness. Maybe we look at it that way. Then it's not a limit. It's a direction. Probably we should. I put limited. Why? Because you needed to hear it. But step two of limited is directed. God's intention for sex is it for, be, for it to be directed by him. We're going to get into that in a minute, which is why I didn't put directed here. I put limited. Why? Because if we go back to the fill-in or, or the verse, you shall not commit adultery. I remember back when I was younger, going to pick up basketball games and things, I had a really good basketball. And I thought, I don't want to lose this basketball. So I wrote on my basketball, E, X, 20, 15. Somebody looked at that, E, X, 20, 15. What is that? You shall not steal. Leave my basketball alone. E, X, 20, 15. Don't steal my basketball. I wrote it on the basketball, so I would be reminded, you know, stealing's the wrong thing. You know, I'm wondering, how many of you need to write E, X, 20, 14, somewhere so that you're reminded and protecting yourself 
from something that will absolutely destroy you. I would rather you mess with your money and, and take some advan- uh, risks with that than to take some risks with your sexuality. It will destroy you faster than anything. Why? Because you become God when sex is important to you. You are the driving force. You are the decision maker. And you have gotten into idol worship and you don't even know it. In fact, you get before verse 14, there's another verse. You shall have no other gods before me. That's number one of the commandments, right? You know what number three is? You shall not worship any false idols. You know what sex can be? It can be a false idol if you pursue it too much in the wrong ways. You're getting your commandments mixed up. That's the problem. I was studying this week. I got very excited about the commandments. It's like, ooh, maybe we should do a series on the commandments. I thought, I don't know, I got to stay focused on when we're on here. But here's one of the things I saw. You, you know what? You know which commandment this is? You shall not commit adultery. It's commandment number seven. Seven is like the perfect number in the Bible. Seven days of creation. Right? There's great numbers in the Bible. Number one, the first one, that's an important number. Sets of three, right? There's the Trinity. There's uh, three days in the tomb. There's all these, the one and three, great numbers. Seven. Seven is another great number. And I started looking at that, and I thought that's where I got to the idea. You have no other gods before me, number one. Number three, do not have false idols. And number seven, do not commit adultery. Not in any way. Not on the internet, not by yourself, not with other people, not with the wrong gender. Pursue your sexuality the way God has designed it and see what happens. See if it's not a gift. That's actually fulfilling because it was meant to be normal, free of shame, regular, and limited. Number five, Proverbs 5, 18, uh, says it this way. Uh, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let's look at that for a second. Let your fountain be blessed. Okay, that sounds positive. Blessings in there, right? Fountain, I don't, I don't have a fountain. What's that talking about? Well, we're going to get into that in a couple weeks, right? But you have something. It's called a fountain, and it wants to be blessed. You're supposed to enjoy it. It's supposed to be good, fun, happy, right? And how do you do that? You enjoy, you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Well, Scott, she's not the wife of my youth anymore. She's gotten older. Yeah? Why do you think there's the verse there? She's not the problem. You are. If you're a lady and you're complaining about your old man, you should be enjoying the fact that you have an old man. In fact, how are you pursuing him in a way to bring life out of him? This is written to an old guy. Why? Or a young guy. Why? To understand that your wife of your youth is the wife you're supposed to have in your old and you're supposed to enjoy it the whole time. Why? Because God intended for sex to be enjoyed. And if it's normal and free of shame, or it's regular and it's limited or directed, then guess what? You'll enjoy it. I remember it was uh, probably close to a couple decades ago, science decided that they were going to help us with our sexual life and our marriage, which always makes me nervous. Science, I'm not sure what they know. They've done a bang-up job of helping us during this current crisis, 
Seems like the science is wrong and every projection comes out, changes. What do they really know? Nothing. They find out stuff after the fact. But they showed up two decades ago and said, here's what you need. You need a little pill. You take this little pill and boy, your sex life will be better. Man, I hate commercials sometimes. I remember in the midst of all that, a lot of questions. What are the ethics, especially for us who believe in the Lord? What are the ethics around that kind of pursuit of our sexuality? I remember having a private conversation with an older Christian man, wise and discerning, and we were kind of having a light conversation, and he says to me, he pulls me aside, he says to me, hey, Scott, remember this. If you have a godly, healthy relationship with your spouse, you'll probably never need a pill. I thought, whoa. One, why is he telling me this? This is awkward. Two, interesting. There must be more going on in sexuality than I know. You know this? The only, the the maximum amount that you can know about sexuality is 50%. On your most perfect day, Let's say the day you die where you have the most experience and wisdom and all that, the best you can get to is to 50%. Why? Because you're only one half of the gender spectrum. You can only know from your gender side. That's 50% at best. By the way, how many of you are perfect? None. So you're probably never even going to get to 50%. That means there's over 50% of what goes on in sexuality that is foreign to you. How are you going to learn that? Engage with your spouse. Be humble. Sensitive. Be proactive. Caring. Listen. Be in tune with your own body. There's so many things that we need to start understanding about God's intention for our sex life, that would be an absolute blessing, a gift. He put us on this planet to enjoy it. This is not good for them to be alone. Let's put somebody with, let's make sure they can have fun. Let's let them procreate. We're not even getting into the procreation thing. Uh, we're five things in, but I want to finish number five. It's meant to be enjoyed, right? We just looked at Proverbs five eighteen. Now I want you to look at Song of Solomon. Careful. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Well, sounds like she's interested. For your love is better than wine. She's convinced. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. All the ladies want you. She knows he's attractive. He's attractive. And verse 4, draw, near after, uh, draw me after you. Let us run. And let me ask you, do you think they're really talking about running? Hey, hon, let's go for a jog. Let's start kissing and then let's stop and go for a run. This is called analogy, folks. I'm not going to explain it because there might be young people behind the screen of the camera. Okay? Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. I don't know, Scott. The Bible's pretty literal. It probably means run. Oh, really? Is that what you do in a chamber? Brought me into his chambers. 
We will exult and rejoice. We're going to enjoy it. Why? In you, Lord, we will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Solomon wrote this. Uh, did he think that sex was supposed to be enjoyed by the design of God? Absolutely. In fact, that is like the number one theme if you keep reading. That's how the book starts. That's how Song of Solomon starts. This is why so many people don't read it. It's like it's too risque. Wait, I don't know what I don't, sexuality and God, those aren't supposed to mix. I can't read anymore. No, maybe actually we should be reading more. So it's meant to be normal, free of shame, regular, limited, enjoyed, and then lastly, by his design. That's the directed part I was alluding to earlier. By his design. Sex was meant to happen the way he meant it to happen. Not in another way. Not by yourself. Not in some fantasy. Not based just on looks. Not just based on gain. And not just based on experience. No. Uh, verse 24 and 25. Uh, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. Who said that? Paul come up with that? No, quotes it. Jesus come up? Well, he quotes it. Who said that? God said that. It was his design. It was his direction, his intention. There's a way this is supposed to work. Are you going to follow it? My relationship with the Lord took off and went leaps and bounds when I started grappling with this concept. This is long, way outside of sex. This is all-encompassing, big, arching umbrella, top-viewed, 10,000 view. If God told you to do something and you were yet to understand, would you do it anyways? You see, I'm, I'm, I'm okay Will you be in here with us no matter what at all times? We want to compel ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship. But here's the thing. Our goal is to get you to a place where if God asks you to do something, tells you to do, commands for you to do something, that you do it. Whether you understood it or not, you say, I'm going to do it first. I'll figure out how it works later. That's when your relationship with the Lord's going to going to really take off, make sense, be effective, pay off. Until then, I can only help you so much. And you can only experience so much. You're going to get a twisted view of not just that, you're going to get a twisted view of everything. So long as you're going to be the deciding factor, the judge, the jury, you're the master and commander of your own destiny when it comes to concepts and whether you should follow or not based on what God says. It both makes me laugh and cry that people take the Bible and say, well, I kind of like these things, but I don't like those. Things. In fact, I kind of don't like Paul, so I'm going to throw out all his books. No, no. It's a full meal. Take the whole thing in and see how it works. Until then, uh, please stop complaining to me about how it doesn't work. I'm no longer entertaining those options. See, he's got a design, and it's meant to work that way. Verse uh, 25, I want you to see this. And the man and his wife were naked and not ashamed. That means it worked. There was a design, verse 24, and there was a, an experience, verse 25. The prophecy was fulfilled 
in two verses. It's supposed to be working this way, and it did. Have you had that experience in any other place in your life? Where God said to do something, you did it, and it paid off. Maybe you should think that that'll work when you're in your sexuality. Right? Here's the thing. Genesis uh, 3, 6, and 7. And this is tragic. It's, it's, I always tell you about my favorite verses in the Bible. This is one of my least favorite. I, I hate this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some of to her husband who was with her, and he ate. He ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they were, knew that they were naked. And it starts crashing right there. They disobey God, not because they understood. They disobey God to see what had happened, try to run, take the reins and run with it themselves. And what's the first thing that goes south? Something about nakedness. Something's changed. Folks, you're set up to need to chase back to the chapter two verse where you could get to where naked is not a shame anymore. You meant to do that with one person. You see, there's a design. They messed it up. We mess it up daily. We gotta figure out how do we get back to the design because I wanna, get, I wanna be shame-free. I wanna know what normal looks like regular, limited, and I want, to, I want to enjoy it. See, there's certain things you should be doing and there's certain things you shouldn't be doing. And there's certain things you do depending on what type of part of life, stage of life you're in. And then there's other things, eh, I'm not that stage anymore or I'm not that stage yet. You should be discerning enough to know when God says, do this, avoid that, that you know how to turn. It's kind of like my cars. I got a little car. Good gas mileage. Six-speed, manual transition. I apologize for those of you who are not car guys or car ladies or auto enthusiasts. We have the clutch and the six-speed. It gets great gas mileage. It's teeny. I, in fact, from the driver's seat, I can pretty much reach anything in the car. I don't have to move. It's the greatest thing took my little car and I went to Costco. I took my Cooper to Costco. So it's a Mini Cooper. I'm driving in a Mini Cooper and I'm thinking, oh, the air conditioning's gone. I got a good stair wind and the windows are down and I'm having a great old time. I'm going to put the seats down. I'll put some stuff in there. I get to Costco and I'm enjoying myself buying things. I get out to the car and I start loading and loading and the seats don't go down far enough. I've, I bought so much stuff and I, it's not working. I can't get it. I got everything in the back full. I got the passenger seat full. It's going up where, to where I'm starting to compromise my ability to see the mirrors and where I, whether I can drive well or not. I start driving home. I'm crouched. The air conditioning is not working right because all the airspace is taken up with stuff. The car's swaying more than it should because it's too heavy. I've compromised my gas mileage and the whole thing. I, I got, got home. I thought to myself, I'm never going to Costco and a Cooper again. By the way, I love Costco. I was thinking about it this week. Uh, Costco just surpassed the Oakland Raiders in my life. Oakland Raiders haven't really done anything for me. And then they left me. Costco, it's right down the street and it has everything I need. 
Boy, they've done a great job during this shelter, haven't they? Scott, what are you talking about? Your sexuality is like your car. Stop taking a Cooper to Costco. You got a Suburban in the driveway. It seats seven. I can't reach most of the car from the driver's seat in my Suburban. It has a massive engine and it gets horrible gas mileage, but it's smooth and it's comfortable. And you can, the storage space, oh my goodness. It's glorious. I could go to Costco, buy everything I want. I'll be totally fine. And the thing will drive the same way home as the way as the when it was empty on the way to Costco. Your sexuality is capable of much more than you realize. But you're treating it like a little car and you're trying to do stuff with it it was never intended to do. You need to treat your sexuality like there's much more going on. That God has a plan. And that as soon as you get in line with that plan, it's going to be glorious. That's the way he designed it. God's design was for marriage and sex. No exceptions. Where are you in that? What does your touch life look like? What's their touch like? There? What do you mean there? Your spouse. What do they need? What do they avoid? What do they dislike? What do they enjoy? What's your priority? Self, them, or God? See, that's what we're going to get into in two weeks. I'm going to give you a break. I know I tend to be hard on you from time to time. I'm going to give you two weeks off. And you're going to ferment on the stuff we've talked about today for the next two weeks. And then in two weeks, I'm coming after you. That's true. I've been so nervous about the sexuality thing. The more I read about it and think, we got to talk about it as a church. And whether you're comfortable or not, not my concern. My concern is getting God's word right. And in two weeks, we're going to address, we're going to bring you into the conversation. See, next week, it's going to be God, marriage, sex, and you. That's your commercial. Between now and then, work on it. Pray about it. Ask God, what do you want me to think about, Lord? What do you want me to change? What do you want me to continue? That's how we should be approaching our relationship with the Lord. Constantly evaluating. Next week, uh, it's Mother's Day. Moms, just plug ears for a second, moms. Just plug ears, okay? We're going to take the week off for sex next week, but plug ears for now, okay? Husbands, dads, children, kids, brothers, whatever. Sunday is Mother's Day. Do something. You have seven days, six and a half maybe. Do something, okay? All right, now pull mom's fingers out of her ears so she can come back and join us. Next week, we're going to have uh, Mother's Day. Um, and Brent Baldwin's going to uh, come bring us a message next week. Uh, we're looking forward to it. I hope you'll join us. Let's pray right now, and then we're going to get into communion. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thanks for, uh, thanks for sexuality. And sometimes that feels like an awkward thing to say, that we would thank you for sex, but that's the way it was always meant to be. 
And Lord, forgive us for how we let it get uh, twisted, misused, misplaced, ignored, abandoned, exalted. We know it was never meant for any of those things, Lord. You were meant to be the only thing that we worship, and then we were meant to uh, follow you in obedience. It was meant to be a joyful experience that we like. Draw us back into that, Lord. I pray, pray, Lord, for those that are struggling with this issue, uh, maybe single or recently divorced or struggling with temptation. I, I just pray for help, Lord, that they might pursue you first and foremost and that you might be the key, the path to their recovery. If that's you, t- talk to the Lord about that right now. We're going to sing a song for a little minute. The band's going to come up, and then in a, in a few moments we'll engage in communion. We pray this all in your son Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.